Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Amanda Norris, and I'm the Revenue Cycle Editor for Health Leaders. Today, I'm here to chat with Bill Arneson, Director of Process and System Support at Moffitt Cancer Center. Thank you so much for joining me, Bill. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you very much. Great. So to get us started, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your personal and professional background and the important work you do now. Like, how did you get here? Yeah, of course. So I have been with Moffitt for 12 years now as an employee and six years as a patient. Luckily, the last five years have been cancer free. So that's good. Um, So needless to say, I'm very invested in the work that we do. Um, I have a total over 20 years of IT, and to age myself a little bit, I started IT as tech support for gateway computers a long time ago. So since then, I've done network administration, server work, um, then into project management and into management and a director now. In 2009, I made the switch specifically to healthcare. The main point was I wanted to work for a place that did more than just make money, right? I was working in the banking industry and it was kind of like, the only idea was to make money. There wasn't really helping people there. Um, So joining healthcare, I ran several IT clinical projects over the years for, you know, meaningful use, clinical documentation, CPOE. And then in 2014, I made the switch to the manager of the revenue cycle technical team. Um, So at the time, did like all the system rules for billing denials, all of that. And we had a couple of automation bots that were allocating insurance for the hospital. Um, You know, it's saving us about two to three FTEs. So that was our starting point for automation. Um, Fast forward to January, 2023. um, My teams now do the revenue cycle, automation systems, business rules, all the operational reporting for the, the hospital, the physician group, and our clinical trial revenue cycle. Um, And just to give an idea, for the month of January, we automated over 360 FTEs, which as we calculate out, saves us uh, about $982,000. And we automated over 689,000 tasks. Those are big numbers, but we, you know, it took us a while to grow to those. Um, I say all that, we have a, a group of 22 people, including myself. So, you know, based on what we accomplish, um, put my team in pretty elite tier of what we do, you know, if not one of the best in the country to brag about my team. Absolutely. Well, professional feats aside, congratulations on being cancer free. That's oh, amazing. I'm very you. happy to hear that. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So hospitals were struggling financially in 2022 as they tried to navigate inflation and labor shortages, among many other challenges. So when it comes to workforce, Moffitt took a unique approach to staffing the revenue cycle technical staff. So can you tell us how that came about? Yes, certainly. So Moffitt's been very big in creating efficiencies and choosing process improvements or automation over hiring people for several years now. you know, the our first answer is never to just hire more people. I don't think that's any healthcare system. That's the first thing they want to do. Um, but I also know to accomplish that, right? I need some smart analysts, developers, you know, software architects. Um, but I also know we're not going to win any bidding wars with Google or Amazon or some consulting firms. So I focus on you. Know, what is in my control? I can control the culture of my team. I can control how good of a recruiter I am personally. Um, And I can control what kind of leader I am. So the number one thing we 
try to do is foster a culture that people want to join, right? If the people love your team, will help you recruit good people and they will stay. Um, this enables us to get you know, some of the, the stars who could go somewhere else and make more, but honestly, they would rather have a great working environment and have a great work-life balance than go somewhere else and make a little bit more. Um, so that's one of the things we definitely try to leverage. And then also we try to, as we call it, recruit the diamonds in the rough, right? So where is Aladdin? We look around, so I specifically search out for who are stars in other departments that are not technical people, but they have some raw technical skills or interest. Um, some specific examples are that, that person who is over in patient access and they're excellent in Excel. They're the one always digging into the reports. Chances are they could easily transition you know, with some training into a report person. Um, avid gamers are great because they're usually very techie people. Um, for whatever reason, right? They might not have pursued an IT career, um, but they're always into the latest gadgets um, specifically, or people that are going back to school later for IT degrees are the perfect candidates that are not your traditional IT people right out of school, but can transition to that. Um, and also simply the people that we work with. So my team already does a lot of the technical requests and we're always meeting with the operational teams to flush those out. You learn very quickly who are the people on those other teams that get the technical pieces. They have the good customer service skills. You know, they, they just would be a good candidate. Um, so I've had my own team specifically recruit people on other teams when we have a position open. Um, it's really about finding the... Uh, the good people who want to do more and see if they're interested in a technical career path. Um, you know, a lot of non-IT people have this misconception that they could never do IT work. They can, they maybe have just interacted with the savant at programming, right? That we all think knows more than us, but there's a whole list of IT things that have to be done. Um, and a lot of people can do the majority of those things. So a lot of it is just overcoming that seeing if they are interested and kind of helping cultivate those those people's careers. You mentioned that you recruit a lot from within. Do you ever tend to recruit from outside of the organization? And do you have any tips for recruiting from these non-traditional backgrounds? Yes. As far as, obviously, like internal candidates, um, they always have a, a leg up. They know so much more about the organization, but that's not always an option, right? There are definitely times where you want or need outside talent. You can go for the, the known quantities of the people at Cerner or Epic or, you know, used to be Siemens. Um, those are the easy ones. The non-traditional means are, I found the, the best way is honestly the, the network of people. If you can build that network, you know, being such a small team, we have not had to go to big lengths to get non-traditional avenues, but I know some of our other areas such as nursing, the, you know, coders, they do go to great lengths to, you know, partner with schools for internship programs or getting them right out of school. We have done in the past some internships with colleges, you know, the local college has people that over the summer, maybe they're in that technical degree process um, and they need an internship. That is a great opportunity. We have plenty of lower level IT things that could be done. And that is a great opportunity as well. And usually it makes both parties very happy, right? They're getting an experience and some money, so, which is great for them. And we are getting a, 
potentially a great candidate in the long run that we can just pull right in once they graduate. Yeah, and a great way for them to get their foot in the door, for sure. Exactly. Back to the ones that you have hired, what tasks are these non-traditional technical staff doing within your revenue cycle now? So the common one is system analysts. So the people that write the business rules, that's kind of the most obvious first step. Um, or data analysts, those people that are really good with Excel, simply because their institutional knowledge is one thing that's severely underrated in IT. You know, a person who understands that operational workflow is so valuable because they can be taught the technical pieces, but their experience makes them great at understanding the requests coming in, knowing what the business really wants and helping flesh out the scope of the request. So understanding the business really well really helps them and Honestly, it's kind of a rare thing to find in traditional IT staff. So that is one thing we try to have them focus on. And obviously throughout the years, right, they learn more. We have people that have gone on to be like full SQL report writers or automation developers. Um, so it's certainly not a, a cap on those people, but it's a very easy transition into those, those rule writing things about the system because they already understand what the people are trying to do. Yeah, the revenue cycle is very complicated to say the least. So definitely yeah. having that inside <laughs> knowledge, a very big help. So what criteria did they have to meet before they could be hired on the revenue cycle technical team? I know you said you pull nurses and coders and coders need to have certifications, but do you have anything like this for your new teams? It is not a hard line rules of things. Um, we like to keep it vague because it's it is such a revenue cycle is such a diverse group of things. Um, you need people across the spectrum as far as backgrounds and talents. The number one thing I look for is emotional intelligence, which can be very hard, I admit, to identify, especially with external resources. But honestly, they have to be you know, a good team member. They have to be able to be an adult and work through problems. Um, I'm a big advocate of peer interviews during the hiring process without me there specifically because I'm only going to have to work with the people, you know, one or two hours a week. Their peers have to work with them eight hours a day. So they're the ones that really need to sign off on a, do we want this person as a team member? Do we think they'll be a good fit? That's a very key thing. Along with the technical aptitude to fit the role, you know, as much operational experience as some people have, you know, have some very high level technical roles that they just simply aren't qualified for. Um, so they have to at least be at a level that, allows them to, you know, do the technical part of the role. But really it's, you know, we do like the traditional um, healthcare or revenue cycle understanding is always helpful, but we've also chosen technical experience at a, you know, I've brought over engineers from Citigroup, turned out to be wonderful and amazing. You know, once you're a software developer, you can kind of apply those skills across the board. So it really depends, but I would say those are the top three, you know, emotional intelligence, be a good team member, and enough technical skills to start the role. So I was just at an event with all revenue cycle executives, and the consensus was that finding decent candidates in this workforce market has been very challenging. So do you have any other unique recruiting techniques that you could share with other organizations? Yes, um, I would say it is. And you have to make that your job as a leader too, right? You can't just rely on HR or whatever talent teams you have recruiters you have, a lot of it, I found a lot more people through building and pushing a network of my own um, than 
anything else. Because a lot of us, and you have to assess where you're at, right? If you cannot afford to hire the star IT people, then you have to commit to developing them. So ask yourself, are you the New York Yankees with unlimited money or we're down in Tampa? So are you the Tampa Bay Rays who have to work the farm system and develop players? That's an easy analogy for me. You know, I've had people from both. I've brought in definitely people from Epic and Cerner and Siemens and homegrown people. Really, I just find the best talent I can, you know, the emotionally intelligent, good team members, but also then tweak it along the way until they find their groove. So I have not always put the right person in the right seat to begin with. I have to find out what what are they really good at? What is their, their niche? For instance, one person I brought in as an uh, analyst, but we found out she was much more adept at being a, at project management skills, which was not on her resume at all. But we've come to make that very useful. You know, we have upgrades twice a year. She's a great, you know, she's still on her team, does an awesome job of managing those projects for us. So that brings up the whole team, even though that was never on her resume. Someone else was, you know, a, a programmer, a report writer, very good, was a lead at that, was not interested in being a manager at all until a couple of years ago. So we're like, oh, okay. This person now has interest in management, um, has the basic, you know, mindset to be a leader, but let's dive right into the training. So that was something we have a few internal resources, but I made the time, work on their management skills, coach them up on all of that. And eventually they did become, you know, when the management position opened, they're the most qualified. So I could go through the list on all of my people pretty much, but it's never a, you're going to hire, you know, set it and forget it when you hire someone. You have to constantly be thinking, you can bring them in and find new skill sets. People's interests change over time as well. So just be prepared to constantly be growing your team members that you already have. Um, so that will really help you retain the people so you're not always recruiting as well. So what is next for Moffitt? Are you planning to think outside the box like this in any other area of the organization? I know you can't just pull anyone to be a physician, but are there <laughs> right, any yeah. other areas? We don't want yeah. random physicians. Yeah, Yeah, we can't um, have coder turned physician, but are there any yeah. other areas outside of the revenue cycle that these strategies may work for? So where possible, yes, we're trying across the revenue cycle, that's what I know best to get the best talent in the right seats. I know our, our HR and talent acquisition teams have a litany of things they're they're trying and working and, and new strategies all the time. They're the ones that partnered with schools for nursing. Um, so they've definitely done a lot over the last couple of years, especially. I think everyone's resources got completely out of whack the last few years. Um, so just weathering that storm, they've done a phenomenal job. But I think really, honestly, anyone who wants the top talent kind of has to ignore all the traditional boxes, you know, focus on what does it take to be successful on your team, right? If you look at the people that have been successful or are currently successful, there is a certain skill set, right, that you can attribute across the board that those people have. That's the sort of stuff you need to be looking for and developing. Um, it's not always going to be a straight path. I don't think very many people in their careers have a straight path from college to their, their dream job path went straight, you know, in a 45 degree angle. But it uh, honestly takes a lot of work by the leadership to build the culture teams want and need to be successful. That's the number one thing I would say, right? If you have a team people want to join, it's much easier to recruit people. 
um, if you have a workplace people want to be at, you know, it's much easier to get people to join and stay, which is where, you know, leadership comes into play. That's number one thing you can control. So putting in that work every single day, I think is what's been pushed across Moffitt that we're trying our best to do and what has been successful for us in the revenue cycle. Well, thank you so much, Bill. That's all the time we have for today, unfortunately, but I'm so happy to have you here. You really gave us a lot of great insight and tips for trying to work through this workforce challenge that everyone seems to be facing right now. So I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much and good luck, everyone. All right, well, this brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.